This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Hello, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can describe the narcissistic mother-in-law, right? So this is a specific situation that occurs sometimes with the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship. So this isn't every mother-in-law. Again, this is just something we see on occasion. Now, this is discussed a little bit in the research literature, and in my clinical experience, I've actually seen this quite a bit. And when we talk about this particular relationship, the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship, we know that across all cultures, there's a negative bias in terms of this relationship. So daughter-in-laws enter into this relationship expecting things not to go well. And these negative attitudes can lead to negative attribution. So believing the daughter-in-law believing that the mother-in-law has a set of personality characteristics which lead to these problems rather than believing external circumstances can cause it. And this negative attribution kind of leads to a cycle which can cause negative interactions and those can serve to confirm the original negative perceptions, right? So there's kind of a vicious cycle that can occur because of this negative attribution. We see in the research literature from the daughter-in-law's perspective that this relationship causes a lot of tension, and they find that the communication is often hurtful and dissatisfying, and the poor quality of these mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships can cause damage in the daughter-in-law's marriage. So there's a lot of factors to consider here in terms of like the ramifications, like the potential relational and mental health ramifications as far as this relationship having a poor quality or nature to it. So as I discuss this relationship, I'm going to look at a few different types of messages that occur in this relationship that can cause damage and relate those to narcissism, what we see with narcissism. So with this mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship, this can involve a lot of hurtful aspects, even without narcissism. So this isn't necessarily related to narcissism again in every instance, but we see a lot of the characteristics of narcissism in this relationship, particularly when we see certain types of messages being communicated, certain types of situations occurring. So to give a quick review of narcissism here, we see certain characteristics with narcissism. And again, I'm going to relate those to this relationship. We see manipulation, arrogance, being condescending, a sense of being superior, 
a sense of entitlement, self-centeredness, requiring a lot of admiration, being resentful, distrusting, feeling insecure, and also being cold, distant, and unforgiving. Now, on top of this, we see a lot of anger and aggression and jealousy as well. So really, we have characteristics here of two types of narcissism, grandiose and vulnerable. I think of vulnerable as more related to problems with the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law dynamic, but grandiose narcissism can play a part as well. Before I get into the types of damaging messages and damaging communication, it's worth mentioning the focus in this video, of course, is on the narcissistic mother-in-law, but a daughter-in-law can also be narcissistic. And that comes with its own set of characteristics that I'm not covering here specifically. So really, again, this relationship is just challenging in so many ways. And this is just one aspect I'm looking at. The narcissistic mother-in-law is just one way this relationship could be challenging. So now moving into the types of messages and communication and problems we see in these relationships. So there are four major types that I'm going to cover here. And I put the reference to the article that I used for these types in the description for this video. And we also see that some of these types have subtypes. So the first type is over-involvement. And this is the most frequently occurring type of message observed in these relationships. And what we see here is when the mother-in-law intrudes into the daughter-in-law spouse relationship outside of the realm of what's usually considered appropriate. Daughter-in-laws often describe this particular type of communication, this over-involvement message, as trying to drive a wedge in their relationship with their husband, right? So the mother-in-law is trying to drive this wedge between the daughter-in-law and the mother-in-law's son. And the purpose of this behavior is usually thought of as trying to manipulate the spousal relationship or the entire family to meet the desires of the mother-in-law. So there's a manipulation component. And of course, that's related to narcissism, at least potentially. So we see that component here with this over-involvement. We also see with this that the messages are meant to imply that the daughter-in-law is not worthy of the mother-in-law's son. So they're just not good enough for that mother-in-law's son. So again, you can see kind of here, arrogance and kind of condescending behavior potentially. Now, this over-involvement type of messaging has two subtypes, the toxic triad and the control subtype. So toxic triad messages include messages where the mother-in-law expresses a negative attitude toward the daughter-in-law. For example, referring to her as a bad wife or a poor mother. Anne expresses a positive attitude toward the mother-in-law's son for doing something that would be harmful to the daughter-in-law. And where we see this most commonly would be supporting the husband's affairs. So if the husband's having affairs, the mother-in-law would approve of that. Again, that kind of suggests that the daughter-in-law is not worthy of the mother-in-law's son. So this is kind of how the toxic triad looks. Now with the toxic triad type, usually we think that the son is brought into the message somehow, although we see it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. But either way, what we see is there's some sort of interference in the husband-wife relationship. So again, manipulation would be what we're really seeing here in terms of relating this to narcissism. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Now, the second type, these are control messages, and these communicate over-involvement in a hurtful way through unwanted actions or advice. So really, in terms of narcissism, we see arrogance and distrust featured here. Also, manipulation, of course, would be in play with this particular type as well. Mother-in-laws in this situation exert their control by completing unsolicited tasks for the daughter-in-law or directly instructing the daughter-in-law on how to do something better, like how to be a better mother, how to be a better daughter-in-law. So a lot of suggestions, again, unsolicited. So an example of this might be a mother-in-law who arrives at the daughter-in-law's home and might say, look, I see you have trouble cooking good meals, so I thought I would just make dinner for you two tonight, right? Kind of just moving right in and trying to take control and take the power away from the daughter-in-law, take the responsibility away as well. Another example of this type is when the mother-in-law ignores or contradicts parenting decisions made by the daughter-in-law. For example, feeding the children something they're not allowed to have, buying them things they're not allowed to have. So really, these control messages just serve to create a power struggle between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. So here we see daughter-in-laws describing this particular type as the sense that the mother-in-law is really butting in to the marriage and family relationship. Now, the second most common hurtful message here is called the personal attack. And this is really just a direct communication from the mother-in-law to the daughter-in-law that serves to discredit, insult, or otherwise maliciously attack the daughter-in-law. So again, this is just insults, criticisms about the daughter-in-law's character, personality, ability, appearance. A lot of different aspects can be criticized here. Now, with this particular type, the personal attack, this does not involve the spouse or his relationship with the daughter-in-law. So that kind of differentiates personal attack from a lot of the different elements we see with over-involvement. Personal attacks are direct and often include name-calling and hurtful words. Therefore, we would think of characteristics in terms of narcissism like arrogance, anger, aggression, and a sense of entitlement. So this one ties, I think, pretty closely to narcissism. And we can see as narcissism increases, we would expect more of this particular type of hurtful message. So looking at the types so far, we have over-involvement, and this has the toxic triad and control, and then we have the personal attack. The third most frequent type would be under-involvement. And this is an interesting type here. Again, I mentioned it's not as frequent as over-involvement and personal attacks. And in my clinical experience, what I've seen is Many daughter-in-laws are really okay with under-involvement. They find it hurtful. It is intended to be hurtful, 
But because the mother-in-law creates the distance, sometimes daughter-in-laws are really okay with that. It just kind of makes the situation easier to deal with sometimes. So this one, I think, kind of has mixed reviews in a sense, at least in terms of my clinical experience and the attitudes that daughters-in-law have toward this particular type of message. But when it is interpreted as hurtful, and when a daughter-in-law wishes that the underinvolvement wasn't what was going on, we see that the mother-in-law communicates a sense of detachment and treats the daughter-in-law and other family members as if they're not important or really part of the family. This also really has two subtypes, messages about family membership and messages that are more around like silence and kind of strictly around under-involvement. So with the family membership part, we would see communicating to the daughter-in-law that the mother-in-law does not see her or her children as members of the family. So they don't really belong to the family. And then the silence and kind of strict uninvolvement message would be where the mother-in-law ignores the daughter-in-law or acts as if the daughter-in-law was not present at certain interactions, like at family get-togethers. This could also involve ignoring the daughter-in-law's comments, not asking the daughter-in-law for input on decisions. So there's really a lot of aspects here to this silence and strict uninvolvement. In terms of narcissism, we would see this as being manipulative, arrogant, condescending, self-centered, and also cold and distant. So this particular type of message, this particular hurtful message, really checks a lot of the boxes we would see with narcissism. We see both grandiose and vulnerable narcissism elements here with this type. Now, the last type of message we see in this mother-in-law, daughter-in-law dynamic is referred to as the third-party message. So this is really divided into two types, gossip and mistreatment. And I've seen this one quite a bit, even though it's considered the least frequent type in these four types. Now, the gossip messages can be lies, rumors, disparaging comments made by the mother-in-law about the daughter-in-law to a third party. So the daughter-in-law finds out about it by overhearing it or seeing it on like a social networking site. And I think in the last few years, this is really the more common way the daughter-in-law finds out. So really, this has kind of a passive-aggressive element to it on the part of the mother-in-law. And of course, that's consistent with narcissism. The second type is the mistreatment of others. So this is when the mother-in-law delivers messages that are hurtful to a third party that the daughter-in-law has some sort of affection toward, like children or siblings or the daughter-in-law's husband, the mother-in-law's son. So we see both gossip here and mistreatment as part of this third-party message type. So that really gives us all four types now. We have over-involvement, personal attacks, under-involvement, and third-party messages. So again, this is when the mother-in-law potentially has narcissistic characteristics and the daughter-in-law endures these different behaviors on the part of the mother-in-law. And these behaviors can be hurtful to the daughter-in-law and to the relationship the daughter-in-law has with her husband. It can actually be hurtful to a lot of different relationships. And I think the more this type of relationship kind of goes on, it makes it harder for the relationship to heal. So this is really a type of relationship where the resentment can run fairly deep and it can be very hard to heal from this. And I think because the mother-in-law and daughter-in-law are joined together because of the marriage, there's no genetic relationship there. It's a matter of law, which makes sense with the term in-law there. 
And I think that sometimes this means that people don't really invest in the relationship as much. They view it as kind of distant and maybe unnecessary and not worth the hassle. So this can be particularly destructive and the motivation to heal this relationship, again, might not be very strong for a variety of reasons. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who've overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.